Hello, and welcome to the ninth season of the Super Mercado Brothers video game music podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this special episode. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. The title of today's episode is Five Finger Fanfare. Carl, do you want to explain to everyone what this whole episode is going to be about today? This mysterious episode, I'm sure a lot of you, when you got this in your feed this morning, are probably wondering, what is this? And we purposely did not announce it the previous oh, week. Oh yeah, Five uh, Finger it's... Fanfare. I know that series. <laughs> I love yeah, that game. Great. Yeah. So as you guys <laughs> may know, every start of our seasons, and we divide seasons every 25 episodes, we try to take a broader look at some part some aspect of video game music we've done things like uh we've done things like the history of video game music humor in games evolution of nes old and new we like to kind of think of it on a macro scale so that's what we're going to be doing today we're going to be studying a very interesting compositional technique that you hear all over video game music but it's very specific now the reason why we call this episode five finger fanfare is we're going to be playing pieces of music that for the most part all start with the first five ascending notes of the minor scale. In a very specific way. Uh, obviously, if any song is in a minor key, which a lot of you know recorded music is, you're going to use those notes of the scale. But what we're talking about, Will, you're such a good singer. Can you quickly sing for the audience what we're talking about? The first five notes of a minor scale. I'd be happy to. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm getting I'm, I'm getting I'm getting cold feet no 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 I'll do it so uh yeah what, what Carl's talking about the first five notes of the minor scale um what we're talking about is they're happening in sequential order so it would be in, in that case we played in with uh dear friends um but it's so it's just the first five notes of a minor scale so all um pretty much every track we're gonna play today starts with it there's one track that has it sort of um, in the bridge in a b section yeah but the bridge starts with that so it's not just that it's featuring those notes but every single one except for i think one track today literally has that rhythm da 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 and it's starting off the melody on it's that pickup, series yeah. of uh, those series of first five notes of a minor scale. So it was something that we thought of a few weeks ago, and we started to think about how many examples there were in video game music and how many different ways that composers can use those um, ascending notes. Now, some people refer to the first five notes of any scale as a pentascale, uh, where you're just talking about the first five notes. Because in a lot of these examples, uh, after that five, one, two, three, four, five, sometimes they, they use the Dorian mode, which has a raised sixth. So the sure. entire scale might not be fully minor, but the first five notes are. And it's just interesting to think of all these examples. I'm sure there's a lot of the tracks that you guys will recognize today that start their melodies off in this way. So what you heard up top was Dear Friends from Final Fantasy V. And yeah, that started the melody off uh, after those opening guitar chords with a pickup using the first five notes ascending of a minor scale so, so to some of you this might sound like sort of a random detail that we're observing it's important uh to mention that we're not just trying to we're not necessarily picking on these composers or saying like oh we got you you know this is a problem you know th this is just we we have a, a limited set we have essentially 12 pitches in the mm -hmm. western chromatic scale which are sort of the basis of 
all the melodies that we could ever have. So you're going to have, you know, things that are similar. I think what really fascinated us is within video games in particular. Particularly video games. Yeah, this phrase that we're talking about, it is a common thing in music, but for some reason, just throughout the history of the podcast, we've come across... Right, and I think the other thing, it's not just that it's happening, you know, it's one thing to have it like a gliss. Like, one of the... There were some tracks we were debating, like one of them was actually the The intro... The opening of Wind Waker. The Wind Waker. And I didn't want to use that because to me, that's just sort of like a glissando. Yeah. You know, it's not really melodic. What's so interesting to me about these is that all of these melodies, really the feature of it is that Mm -hmm. ascending minor scale. That's like the focus of the melody. It's not hidden. You know, it starts everything off. It's a really interesting technique. And really what we want you guys to do as you're listening to this episode, maybe more so than other episodes, really try to pay attention and try to see if you can hear those notes that we're talking about. Try to see if you can pick them out in every single track we play. Now, for the most part, you're going to hear it right away or within a few seconds. So uh, let's keep that in mind as we go on this playlist. So we're going to start things off with Ease One, a track from the first game in the series. This track was composed by Yuzo Koshiro. This is First Step Towards Wars. Here we go. from Ease One. This was composed by Yuzo Koshiro for the PC-88. Now take a listen to this right here. Those series of notes are what we're talking about. The ascending minor scale, the first five notes of this melody. Now this melody starts off on the one and it strikes it once and then it repeats that note and goes up. Yeah, it re-articulates it. And, and that's what we want you guys to listen for today. It's fun because every time we hear this, it's going to be in a different context. In Dear Friends, it was a pickup. So it was da-da-da-da, one. That's mm-hmm. the downbeat. We're with here, um, we start with just that one. You know, I mean, again, like we mentioned, this happens all over in music. I mean, one of my favorite examples is uh, the opening of Swan Lake by Tchaikovsky. Now, Will... Um, let's talk about how each of these examples um, are used in the, the overall effect. So, Will, what is the effect of starting this melody off this way? How does Yuzo Koshiro utilize the minor scale in order to create something that I think is pretty strong and confident? Sure. When we're talking about the E series, the kind of uh, core rhythmic um, groove aspects of the music are very front and center. Um, True. But I think the other thing, you know, harmonically, Carl talked about some of the things that we get in a lot of the video game versions of minor, which is a lot of borrowing from Dorian and and things like that. And we hear a, a bit of that in this track. I think the big thing is 
I think the reason why Yuzo chose to make a melody that has that ascending minor scale, um, there's there's this quality of it when we hear something ascending very basically when we're listening to a melody when we hear something ascending it can either sound strident or confident Mm -hmm. or you know in a major scale sometimes it sounds happy or joyous and then when we hear a descending scale sometimes it can sound like sadness yeah i mean that's very general but you know with the name of this track being first step towards wars there is this kind of triumphant quality to it it's also worth mentioning that the rhythm section of most of this uh, soundtrack is dun 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 Kind of feels like you're riding a horse, this really driving rhythm. So think of how well that fits with dun, right? It's just really well. So before we move on to the next track, just one more time, take a listen to the very beginning of this melody here. All right, so that's in your guys' head while we move on to our to our next example. Now this was. It's a totally different context here. Absolutely. Now, this, I got to give Will credit. He thought of this one. It was funny. We had this long list of ones, uh, and it actually took a lot of listening to go through soundtracks that we were very familiar with. Just, you know, sometimes we don't even, we can't even think of all these, but there was one day, I think like three days after we thought of the topic, when Will was like, dude, I got one. I can't believe I didn't think of this. Super Mario RPG, and the track is Beware the Forest's Mushrooms. Melody starts off with the first five notes of the minor scale. This is Composed by Yoko Shimomura. Let's take a listen. Well done. Yeah, Will was saying uh, that's that's her inner Uematsu there, which isn't surprising because this was a crossover game. This is composed by Yoko Shimomura. You guys are listening to Beware the Forest's Mushrooms from Super Mario RPG. Now, we'll talk a little bit about how Yoko Shimomura is utilizing the technique in this track, and how does it kind of set up the sense of mystery? So here's what's interesting. All three tracks that we've played so far use this, Carl called it a pentascale, in sort of a different way. In Dear Friends, it's a pickup um, to sort of the melody. I mean, it starts off the melody, but um, it's sort of one, two, three, ya-da-da-da-dun. Mm-hmm. Um, and in First Step Towards Wars, we had dun, da-ba-da-ba-dun-dun. But in this case, we actually start the melody off on the very on the first one. beat of the measure, mm-hmm. straight going up that scale. And so we have yada da 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 The other thing to mention um, is how she uses articulation. Um, because if we think of yeah. that rhythm, it's da-da-da-da-da. Um, but the way she articulates it, not every note in that scale is held for equal value. It's not what we call legato, which means sort of smooth and connected, yada-da-da-da. But it's also not staccato, which means separated. It's not da 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 Each note has sort of a different articulation, and so the emphasis are on different parts of that phrase, which I think is why this melody has so much character. It doesn't just mm-hmm. feel like we've heard it before, which might be the reason why it didn't come to our mind, because you think about it being yada ba 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 
Um, and yeah, so no, I don't know. That's something point, that I think though. makes the melody unique. So we've heard uh, two 16-bit examples and one example from the 8-bit era. Now let's move on to something more modern, and we're going to hear how composer Tomori Kudo utilizes what we're calling the five-finger fanfare in a track from Xenoblade Chronicles. Now this track is called The Guar Plains Night. Again, from Xenoblade Chronicles, let's take a listen. part reminds me a little bit of Uematsu there. Very pretty stuff. You guys are listening to the Guar Plains Night version from Xenoblade Chronicles composed by Tomori Kudo. And we also had some other people that worked on this game, Hiroyo Yamanaka and Kenji Hiramatsu. And again, the game is Xenoblade Chronicles. I think this uh, this game and this piece of music in particular is what inspired us originally to come up with the idea of this episode. Because what's interesting to me about this melody, um, like Dear Friends, it uses that uh, what we call the five finger fanfare, that uh, minor scale first five notes, as a pickup. Um, but what's interesting about this melody is it's not something that just starts it off. It's actually like the recurring the motif melody, yeah. of the melody. You know, it, it happens again mm-hmm. and again. And what I thought was so interesting is like, wow, kind of the balls of that to have a melody where just, well, <laughs> that, that phrase is used again and again so frequently. You know what's crazy is that's not the last one today where that's the case, where that is pretty right. much the main motive of the song. And then they take that minor scale and play with it as the chords change. Well, and I think it, it it raises an interesting question um, because it's sort of the thing that's very ambiguous about music is why are there certain things like this in particular where we don't have a problem hearing them again and again? No one would ever hmm. consider this theft. In a way, yeah. it's like we act like that minor scale, no one person owns it. So people can do I it again and again. Yet there, there can be certain phrases in a piece of music that, you know, are argue, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And people will get sued over, you know, a yeah. phrase being Or people the talking same. about how this person's ripping off some classical composer or something. Yeah, that's right. interesting. I mean, maybe the minor scale, especially the first five notes, is such a primordial thing that goes back to like when everyone is learning the foundations of music, you learn the scales. So when you hear a scalar uh, elements in a melody, you would almost don't think of it as, oh, that sounds like this song. You just, okay, yeah, that's that element that I hear all the time. Uh, but the way that it's used in today's episode, hopefully you guys are already noticing some similarities, and hopefully what today will do for you guys is maybe make you pay attention in a different way, because maybe you don't even notice this when you're just playing a game and listening to it. But it's interesting to kind of think about the music in a different way. So now we're going to move on to 
another game for the Super Nintendo, moving back to the 16-bit era. Let's play a track from Lufia 2, Rise of the Sinstrels. This was composed by Yasunori Shiono. This is a wonderful soundtrack, and let's see how Yasunori Shiono utilizes this technique in the track called Parting. beautiful track. I was not actually familiar with this piece of music before researching this topic. This is composed by Yasunori Shiono from Lufia 2 for the SNES, and the name of this track is Parting. You know, it starts off uh, feeling like, oh, it's very by the books. It feels like, you know, music we've heard, but it goes in some pretty interesting directions, and I actually am a fan of how he comes back to that motif to, you know, to to make the loop uh, happen, you know, it's the very beginning of the melody. Now, one thing I think is so interesting is this topic is a completely musical topic. So for the most part, we're only going to be talking about musical elements today. I think that's so cool. Will, what are your thoughts on this track as far as, okay, you're starting off, every composer today is starting off their melody in the same way, but how does Yasunori Shiona, what directions does he uh, take this melody that we haven't heard today? So we've talked about a few things about what separates all this, because, you know, we, we don't kind of want to that like oh music is this simple thing and they're just plugging in these elements because I I really don't think that at all I think it's more out of like oh isn't it amazing that you can find these similarities mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about today about placement in the measure and where the this part of the melody first occurs but in this piece it happens in multiple ways because there's another aspect we haven't explored which is sort of the rate of speed at which those notes are occurring in a lot of the examples we hear them as uh, six sixteenth notes sixteenth um, notes or eighth notes, um, yeah. Foriana 1, mm-hmm. where it's a sure. pickup. Um, and what's interesting is this track actually does it in two ways. It starts it off as eighth notes, and it, it feels very slow because this is the first sort of ballad that we're playing on the show today. So it's three and four and one. But then later on in the melody, it goes Foriana 1, and it does it at twice the rate of speed. That's true. Um, you get an eighth note version and a sixteenth note version in the yeah, same song. Yeah, and I can song. think there's, I know for a fact there's some tracks coming up that do the the sixteenth note version sure. is a pickup and there's other tracks um that you know use eighth notes and it's possible there's even one that has like a really slow rate of speed where it's like quarter notes or something i think so yeah, the next one we're going to play is a 16th note example. And this is another example where not only does the melody start this way, but it is the hook of the melody. It's really the building block. When this composer sat down to write this, this is what is catchy about this melody is that minor, if you want to call it, pentascale. So 
This is from Kirby Air Ride, which came out for the GameCube. Wonderful soundtrack, fully orchestral, which is crazy. Uh, composed by Jun Ishikawa, Hirokazu Ando, Shogo Sakai, and Tadashi Ikigami. We're going to play the track called Celestial Valley. Enjoy. <laughs> cool track. Now, I didn't want to, con- I realized what I said may have confused some of you. I didn't mean that it was real uh, real performance. I just meant that the genre that this soundtrack is is orchestral music. It's still curvy and it still feels bubbly and fun, but it's it's not kind of that rock uh, context where you have electric bass and drums. Like this, These are using orchestral samples, which I think it was a really interesting choice for the Kirby series at this point. Hopefully you guys Stay hear on that. target. <laughs> Hopefully you guys hear that that five-finger fanfare that we're talking about starts off this melody. Uh, I think the, the oboe has it in the beginning. So this is Celestial Valley from Kirby Air Ride. It's such an interesting um, use of it. This is why this episode is so much fun, because there wouldn't be any other topic under which I think this melody would be any more appreciated than it could possibly be right now, because sure. we're just focusing on those five notes. And to me, like the real hook of that melody is that da ba 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 da the orchestra. I mean, you could almost look at this as a piece that maybe doesn't have a melody, that it's just kind of these moving colors these and textures. Parts. There's um, an argument But that's what's so that. interesting to kind of... Guys, I mean, don't you think it's wild that already we've only played six tracks, but every single one of these pieces of music is completely different and is standing on its own and goes in different directions, but they all start the exact same way. Isn't that crazy that music is that diverse, that even when you start the melody the exact same way, you can have this level of diversity and variety? I think it's, it's I think pretty wonderful. That's, again, the reason why I said like it's really hard to explain what makes us have these certain attachments to things. Because you think of something like this, you know, you go note by note it's the same but all the music feels different and then you can have maybe a moment where there's different things happening musically but just Mm -hmm. something with one or two notes that feels so iconic that we almost can't we can't you know if it belongs to one thing specifically you know you hear that and it's like oh no you can't do that um, but that, you know, sometimes it's hard to articulate. Yeah, well, this next example is definitely one that is responsible for us even thinking about this, because actually the genesis of this idea really is owed to an episode we did this fall called <laughs> Imports 2. For whatever reason, there was two tracks, both of those we're replaying today, that featured this uh, technique in the beginning of the melody. And I think in that episode, Will, if you go back, he made a comment about that and said, isn't it interesting how many songs start off that way? And I think that conversation kind of led us to, to coming up with this episode. So this is from... Totally. Famicom Tente Club 2, composed by the wonderful Kenji Yamamoto. Let's take a listen to Sunset. Sunset. 
so beautiful. And again, it's another example of using that ascending five notes of the minor scale. That's the hook again of this song. So much repetition of those notes. You know, you have it over the minor one chord and then you have it over, I believe it's the, you know, the major six is the next chord. Um, Has a little bit of a, a different feel over the two different chords but it's still unique this is still different than any other track we've played so far today it's just it's incredible this is composed by kenji yamamoto yeah it's interesting this is again an example where it's using the 16th notes but this track does something melodically if we're just talking about that sequence of five notes um and then the second time um that it gets through that the the one um the duh happens on um, syncopation it's on the offbeat yeah yeah it's on an offbeat and then it's held i think it's like and that difference between having it start on the one versus the and of four is so hip and i think that's well, what and makes it also this it's, it's held longer than the other notes um right so i mean yeah it's just interesting things and again it's, it's not like all these composers were tasked like oh you have to write this melody using these no. notes make it different i think it's just you know it's sort of a a natural part of the composing process and we've both you know, done it using scales and arpeggiation are yep. all tools in the composer's belt well now we're going to move on to maybe so far the most subtle uh example of this you might miss it i think a lot of people would miss it here because it's harmonized in a much different way so pay quick attention it's the first thing you hear in this so try to pay attention here this is the it's really the title screen theme to final fantasy 9 the name of the track is the place i'll return to someday composed by nobuo uimatsu let's take a listen interesting use of the five finger fanfare i like that we've coined that term i hope that catches on this is the place i'll return to someday from final fantasy 9 the first example today where it's broken rhythmically it's not uh, eighth notes or 16 notes it's bum 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 that's the rhythm that you hear in this track so uh, i'm not saying we're breaking the rules but we're getting a little more subtle nuanced examples of this technique and it's harmonized in uh, a very different way well do you want to talk about maybe uh how is how is that technique used in this track absolutely well again sort of in keeping with the spirit of today's episode it's not about kind of i don't know shining a light on something that we don't like or kind of pointing at an aspect of uh composition that we're looking to trivialize in any way like carl said before um this type of pentascale is something that both of us have used um, in our own music actually quite frequently. And we're going to be playing out, in fact, with the track that Carl wrote. Um, so 
you know, no, no one is immune to this kind of thing. Um, but what is definitely unique in the context of today's episode, like Carl mentioned, is how that rhythm is broken up. And when we think about the character of a melody, because I think sometimes we tend to think very broadly about music, you know, oh, this has a great beat or, you know, it's kind of catchy and we're not super specific about it. But honestly, when we're getting down to what makes a melody sound like that melody, sometimes it can be very little things. You know, an eighth note of difference can make all the difference in the world in terms of what something sounds like. That's why I bet a lot of you almost didn't recognize like, oh, is this yeah. using the same notes? Mm-hmm. Just because the fact that that rhythmic character is da, 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 because that's enough. I mean, there in and of itself, it establishes a mood. Even if I didn't have any pitches, you know, hearing that. Let's re-listen idea. to the beginning of this one more time, guys. Almost this round, this kind of round of flutes, you know, the third, when the, well, very the first flute hits the yeah. third note, then a new flute comes in underneath it. So it's a little bit hard to tell, but hopefully you guys could hear what we're talking about there. Well, because to me, that, that rhythm, it, it's almost kind of like if I was going to do this melody in... I don't know, a medieval or renaissance kind of way where polyphony is really the big Mm -hmm. thing and there's all these voices moving together at once. Oftentimes in polyphonic music, you have melodies, um, or or at least at a certain point, you start to introduce a lot more kind of dotted rhythms because it allows for increased syncopation, which essentially means that um, if one note is holding, one of the other parts can be doing a moving line. So your ear is drawn from this place to that place. I think when this music was really popular... I think people probably assume that this is the future of music, but we kind of, I don't know, we definitely did not uphold polyphony as like the be all yeah. end all of music. It's interesting. Well, you know, who knows? So Maybe advanced. we'll go back to it. But I Maybe. think our our ears, um, the contemporary ears almost get exhausted yeah. listening to it. We're definitely, some might say we've sort of dumbed ourselves down we've to regressed. just like really simple textures and very... Mm-hmm present melodies but then in other ways you know you look at like 20th century classical music and it's sometimes really complicated and dissonant and these are things that you know people centuries ago wouldn't have dreamed of well i think in certain ways our brains have been dumbed down but in other ways i think they're more advanced i mean i don't know i can't imagine somebody being able to listen to like a really fast-paced rap song back in that time and even (laughs) hear it or understand what's going on we can pick out lyrics i think better than we probably could and rhythmically there's a lot of like when you think about drum and bass and like dubstep and there's a lot of stuff that they'd be like what is going on uh, that now we're just so used to so it's interesting all right sure and i think also just kind of increased communication like music of the world all these different cultures and genres have kind of you know come together and i mean you think about like american music pop music jazz music it's sort of a fusion of all these different elements come together, classical music, African folk music, you know, Afro-Cuban music mm. and Latin music and all these things sort of coming together. Would you say, and, Will, would you would you go as far as to say come together right now over me or would you not go? I far? would absolutely. I'm always saying that. You are always, saying, always that. saying that. So now we're going to move on to another example where Will was like, dude, I can't believe we didn't think of this earlier. He texted me one day. I was like, of course, this is from Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. I think the best title of any video game ever released. This is the sure. main theme of this game. Uh, pro- no, I, I was actually kidding. This might be the worst uh, titled game I've ever sure. heard of. It's, it's so, so bad. I'll go along with whatever you say. I'm a yes man. Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. 
Wow, I can't believe that's the name of this game. Uh, this was composed, We I, I found out by... Don't get me started. Kaiki Kobayashi, who uh, wrote this main theme, and he was the primary composer for the new themes of this game. Obviously, this game also came out for the 3DS. Now, there's two versions of this melody. You hear it first in the opening, and then you hear it in the menu. We're going to play the menu version because it's a little bit clearer of, of, a, of a melody here as far as the two different versions. So let's take a listen to the menu theme from Smash Brothers for Wii U. Let's rock out and smash some Nintendo characters as hard as we possibly can. You guys are listening to the menu theme from Smash, the newest Smash composed by Kaiki Kobayashi. Uh, from now on, I'm going to refer to this just as Smash. I'm not going to say any of that. That's BS. what those who play the game. That is what we refer to it as. So absolutely, you're, you're this is a great theme. Uh, this theme starts off with it's such a rousing and familiar way. I wonder why, right? Now we're starting to realize why it's so familiar, uh, but it's exactly what you want for the main theme of a Smash game. You want it to be familiar, but you want it to be fresh and new and exciting, and this is just makes me just, I just want to fight some, some Nintendo characters when I hear this. I think the important thing about this is a track like Dear Friends um, you could argue that the minor scale at the beginning is sort of irrelevant to the rest of the melody. True. But in a, in, in something like this, uh, that scale is so crucial because it sort of becomes the rhythmic motive that, you know, a little chunk of it is taken on because you have da ba da ba da 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 You know, mm-hmm. it's taking that ascending scale it's taking and kind it of running moving it. it through a sequence. Yeah. Well, you um, know, it's well, a great melody, and I think this has the distinction of, I mean, if I was Kaiki uh, Kobayashi, I would have, you know, it plastered um, on my wall or something and framed, but Koji Kondo actually was asked in an interview, what's a modern piece of video game music that he really likes, and he said that he really enjoys the theme for the new Smash Brothers game so oh. that's pretty awesome well that's good well well uh, high praise for kaiki kobayashi there well this is an interesting example this one has multiple tiers of utilizing what we're talking about here it starts off with an arpeggio of the first four notes one two three four one two three four one two three four of the minor scale but then the melody comes in and starts the same way after that <laughs> continuing up to the five one two three four five so not only does the melody have that but before that you hear the first four notes multiple times so it's really getting that in your ear uh, this is from Silphied for dos it's a computer game from the 90s this is the track is the opening it's the legend of Silphied, composed by masakuni mitsuhashi Let's take a listen. Mm-hmm. 
very interesting example of Japanese music for the DOS system, PC music right here from Silphied. This is The Legend of Silphied by Masakuni Mitsuhashi. Uh, yeah, the drums are <laughs> kind of struggling in this in this one. The tom fills are uh, not the best, in, in my opinion, but this is a pretty solid melody. Starts off in um, kind of a, a very by-the-books fashion, but it kind of goes in some interesting directions. That bridge section ha- is pretty dang mysterious, and um, I don't know, pretty cool. This is a cool track. Totally. What I think is interesting is even though it starts off with a... Um, actually, anyways, even though it starts off with that, yeah. since that sort of becomes this rhythmic thing that goes on over and over again, um, you almost expect the melody to start as a pickup, um, a 16th note thing, but in fact, it starts on mm-hmm. the downbeat. So there is a little syncopation because even though the lines are doing this sort of ascending kind mm-hmm. of uh, thing, the melody starts on the downbeat. And I don't know. That's, that's kind of the only thing of note. Yeah. Other than the awful, terrible drums <laughs> that I would say about this track. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. You know, we get to feature... This is definitely something we probably would not have played if it wasn't for those notes. Sure. So that's the power of the fanfare, guys. The power of the five-finger fanfare. Speaking of the power of the five-finger fanfare, we are very excited to move on to this week's track of the week. It's from Donkey Kong Country 2, composed by our good friend David Wise. <laughs> I wish we could say. He's, I mean, on our end, he's definitely a good friend. I'm not sure if he would agree. He's probably like, who are they again? Oh, yeah, I guess I did an interview. <laughs> oh, wow. I must have been. Yeah. If anyone isn't for, isn't aware, we interviewed David Wise a couple years ago, and it was an absolute treat. It's maybe the highlight for me of the whole podcast. So happy we got to do yeah, that. After you woke up, after I woke you up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hit the snooze button. Uh, that was that was crazy. Uh, track of the week this week is Forest Interlude from Donkey Kong Country 2. Wow, this is maybe my favorite example of this technique. And this song is just so awesome. Something about it is just... Uh, I mean, it's it's everything we like about Donkey Kong Country music. It's vibey, it's atmospheric, but it's also melodic and catchy, very pleasing. You know, we were talking a little bit in our episode 200 about, uh, I think Andrew asked us a question about amelodic music and ambience. This is an example where it's ambient, it's uh, vibey, but it's also very melodic, and I love that combination. So let's take a listen to Forest Interlude.
Wow, such a strong example of not only using the first five notes of the minor scale, but again, taking that, and that is the motif, you know, that, that's kind of the building block of this melody, but it's so beautiful and pretty, and it's not a sad song, it's not a sad melody, even though it starts off that way. There's some hope in this, in this track. Uh, I don't know, it's just, it's crazy how... Uh, advanced this sounds like there's when I listen to this I don't hear limitations I don't hear small sample sizes and like 5 KB that you right. have to work with or whatever crazy you know space limitations he had I just hear a very expressive and vast piece of music that is so entertaining well I think it was just sort of that big innovation with I think Dave called it like the single cycle waveform samples that he was using yeah. um it, you think of like that um, synth sort of intro, and how it's yep, phasing possible in and out. It's crazy mm-hmm. because I imagine that um, he's using different samples for almost every note, and each sample has yep. a slightly different phase to it. But overall, it gives the impression that you're using a synthesizer and kind of changing elements of the frequency and overtones. Yeah, really. Donkey Kong Country 2 is the closest you get to synthesizer music on the Super Nintendo. Because in, in, for all intents and purposes, it pretty much is synthesizer music. Right. It's as close as you can get. The other uh, thing I love, that, that pan flute instrument, because it has that sort of, per, like, you hear the p- of like the sample uh, um, but you hear mm-hmm. it so consistently in every single attack, it almost becomes its own instrument. It sounds percussive yeah. and to me even though it has the characters of a pan flute which i think of you know as maybe a little bit more primitive i don't know why maybe it's just because it sounds um ethnic or, or different to my ears but i, I think it's also Gosh, used well, that way a lot in music but in this case it has it a percussive is. element which to me is so perfect for donkey kong country the you know having these apes and everything it's perfect so it's just like i think you know he gets the best out of his limitations and uses it um and they sort of actually become benefits I think a particular thing that I enjoyed this time, like so much, I was really digging the boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam. Yeah. There's three audible repetitions of it, and each one is in a different channel, left, right, left. Well, oh my gosh! To me, is that, that cool. is a that is a melody that is like the 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 most Wyzean thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like it. it you, so much of his well, kind of character. It, that, in that that's phrase. just a wonderful part of the song because it it, goes, it starts off boom, bam, boom, bam, and the next time is boom. Bam, bam, bam. So it's a little bit of uh, variety. It's not doing the same thing, but it's simple. It's it's just wonderful. Well, now we're going to move on to ATP Tour Championship Tennis. This is a pretty obscure game for the Sega Genesis with a really cool soundtrack. Big fan of this and big fan of this composer, little-known composer Hikoshi Hashimoto, with which I wouldn't be surprised if people got confused with Hitoshi Sakimoto. <laughs> Still think it's funny. Their names are so similar. You know, it's funny, uh, Carl, is... actually, when I was editing the uh, Scrubbing Down Memory Lane, that was mm-hmm. a, a clip. I took a clip of you, oh, of yeah. both of us talking about um, Hitoshi Sakimoto oh, and how people that would have been up cool. with Hikoshi uh, Hashimoto, but I had to cut it out for time. Oh, that would have been fun. <laughs> Ironic that immediately, you know, now we're playing this. Uh, this is a track called Try Again Next Year. It's a very short piece of music that you hear when you lose, you know, a tennis match. From ATP Tour Championship Tennis, let's take a listen.
Can you guys hear it? Are you guys good enough? Are you pros all at this point? You know, when you're listening to music, you know, tomorrow and the next day, are you going to listen out for this five finger fanfare? It's cool that you can really kind of hear the diversity that listen to this track. You know, I'm sure if we didn't actually let you guys in on this, there's a lot of people that wouldn't even notice this. I don't even know if I would notice it if you're not specifically listening out for it. That every track on the episode starts the same? I don't know. That's a, That would be a really interesting social experiment. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like with the Famicom, uh, Tante, and... Yeah, there are some uh, like obvious the ones. Xenoblade Chronicles would but, be like, our dear friends would be like, hey, come on, something's up. But what I will say is this one, it, it's something about it is masked. You can't... I don't sure. know. It, you well, have to really it does pay attention. Kind of what the Swan Lake melody does, where it starts with dun, 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 where in this case, mm-hmm. it's not really sort of like um, this pickup where it's like a climb up to the goal note. It starts yeah. off with a note and then it kind of like takes you on a little journey back up to the note. So you have done that cool? Yeah, dun, 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 to rearticulate that goal note. Really cool. Well, now we're going to move on to another track that was featured in that Imports 2 episode. And this was the one, since it was the second one of the day that that had that technique, this was the one where it was like, he had to make a comment about it. Because he's like, wow, it's crazy how many tracks uh, sound like this. So this has an unknown composer. Uh, there's really no known composer for this. It's it's an N64 game, obviously just released in Japan. If you remember on that episode, uh, a vast majority, uh, or you know, a, a fair number of tracks were unknown composers, which is pretty common because uh, you know, especially in Japan, sometimes the crediting isn't the best. This is a game called Nobito to Mitsu no Siraseki. In the stage here, this is the moon stage. I believe it's a fighting game. So let's take a listen to moon stage. It's great. It's simple. It does what it needs to do. It gets in. It gets out. It wastes no time. This is Moon Stage from Nobita to Mitsu no Siraseki, unknown composer. Will, do you remember this track from that episode? I do. And you know, it's funny. This track is anonymous, almost sort of like the first person to have ever composed that ascending five <laughs> note scale, if you will. I mean, I'm sure it probably popped up at some point in like old ancient Gregorian chant using like the Aeolian mode or something. Um, no, I think it was Nobu Uematsu. I think oh, he was the first person. Right. No, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. No, but yeah, this is a really great track. It's fun to have something um, like this. You know, it's cool when our episode topic, this is the first time when a musical device has been the focus of a topic on the show. Um, so the only yeah. thing that all these pieces of music have in common are this little melodic phrase. So it actually, it's been a nice way of sort of diversifying the playlist. And we got a, a lot of different types of music to play today, which is very, true. very fun as a host. And hopefully it's enjoyable as a listener as well. Well, yeah, we've already had two Final Fantasy examples, and we have yet a third. This is from Final Fantasy VI, obviously for the Super Nintendo. Uh, some people knew this as Final Fantasy III. Is that correct, Will? Right. That's what it was released um, as in the U.S. So this is uh, Kafka, composed by Nobuo Uematsu. 
slightly subtle example of the five finger fanfare. I'm sure some people would miss it here, but those are the first five notes of that very devious melody from Final Fantasy VI. This is Kefka's theme. He's the main villain from Final Fantasy VI. This was composed by Nobuo Uematsu. This is such a great piece. I love hearing just the just the overt classical influence. He's going all out to do something um, very fun and, and colorful, but it definitely has this sense of kind of devious nature to it because it is a bad guy here. Oh, yeah, it's very ominous and, and sort of in a fun way, in like a cartoony, over-the-top sort of way, but very musical, and it's fun kind of evoking that um, with melody, which is maybe why I say it sounds like a cartoon or something, just because it's it's so overt. Um, but it's hmm. great. I think the reason why something that's unique about this one is that first part of the melody, it's completely unaccompanied. So we're not really getting a context of where in the measure anything is happening. I mean, I, I think it starts off on the one. Um, but again, it's not really accompanied, and it's not playing off harmonically with any other instruments which means that this tends to be melodies like this are a little bit more angular and they're focusing on specific contours of the phrase so a melody like this you know it's not like other melodies where it's sort of floating atop a chord progression it really needs to sort of hit these key points that clue us into what the the underlying chord progression is supposed to be yeah so one more time the first few notes of kafka here we go did you guys hear that kind of hard you know it's kind of easy to miss that because it immediately goes yeah, into da, da, something da, different da. that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about there here's a here's a fun quote from kefka from final fantasy 6 this kind of lets you let you know what kind of guy he is read my lips mercy is for wimps there's a reason oppose rhymes with dispose if they get in your way kill them that is a quote from Kefka from Final Fantasy VI. Wow, see, when I hear that theme, it sounds like like a little kid who's about to steal a piece of cake. It doesn't sound well, like there is. I think there's some humor in Kefka because I think he does like, like a high-pitched cackle. Um, oh, that's funny. He's just kind of a short, short-tempered bad guy. So now we're going to move on to Riviera, the Promised Land. This came out for the Game Boy Advance as well as the Wonder Swan. We've played uh, both different versions before. Love this soundtrack by one of my favorites, Monaco Adachi. Wonderful composer. Let's take a listen to Lacrima Castle. This is another one where it goes by really quick and you might miss it. So let's see if you guys can notice the technique we're talking about today from Riviera, the Promised Land. <laughs> guys catch that this is lucrima castle from riviera the promised land composed by minako adachi very fast kind of soloistic uh flourish uh that the main melody has on that guitar really great well something i think the reason why um a lot of uh these melodies work that utilize that fanfare um and it's not actually a fanfare it's what we're calling we're it calling today it. Um, but I think one of the reasons it works is just sort of um, 
the way that we tend to analyze melody the way we tend to analyze melodies in a classical sense which is um, through uh, consonant pitches notes that are in the chord and notes of dissonance um, and those can be what we call neighboring tones or passing tones suspensions appoggiature what have you uh, essentially when we're looking at this phrase the reason why most of these pieces start off with a minor one chord is because when we really look at that melodic phrase it has three notes of consonance in it um, let's say we're in a minor just because that's sort of the easiest minor key to think about because you know it's only the white notes um, so hmm. we start with our one scale degree, which is the A, and then we move to the B, which is not in an A minor chord. So that's what we call a passing tone, because it's just hmm. moving yeah. from one step away from the A to the C, which is our third of the minor chord. And then we go to another passing tone in the D to get to the E, which is the fifth of the A minor chord. Um, essentially, all it means is that you have... Th it's it's similar to having da da da. You just have a passing tone in between each of those. So instead of da da da, which is just outlining a minor chord, we have da 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 da. So because you're getting three um, three notes that match and two notes that don't match, the majority match. So that's right. why it always fits, no matter no matter what you're. That's doing. why yeah, it always feels like it really fits really well with. It's essentially just. Um, a more noty and interesting way of arpeggiating that chord. Well, now we're going to move it. Hey, Will, I'm I'm up for trying something we've never done on the podcast. This will be the first. Let's fade in on a track as we're as we're explaining what this is because this is the example that doesn't start into the bridge. So right now, you guys are hearing we're fading this in. This example starts off at 43 seconds. It's where the bridge comes in. It's from Tohu Six, composed by Junya Oda. Now, Junya Oda is, an, is also known as Shanghai Team Alice. He does everything in his games. One of those guys who programs it, designs it, writes it, does the music as well. This is um, Hong Meiling's theme. Let's take a listen to the bridge, which has the technique we're talking about. Uh, comes in in about 10 seconds here. Let's take a listen, guys. piece of music here from Tohu Six. This is Hong Meiling's theme. And whether you call it a bridge or a chorus, uh, it's the part that comes in 43 seconds in the song. That's the section that utilizes that five-finger fanfare. This is composed by Jun Yaoda. Really awesome track. Uh, some classical influence in here. Uh, some rock influence as well. Some dance in here. Will, what do you think about this track? I think it's really interesting. Uh, it, it's cool to have um, that segment of melody occur somewhere other than the beginning of an A section. Um, you know, what's also interesting, there there aren't, I think, any contexts um, in today's episode, but 
I know that there, there, there's sometimes in pieces of music where you'll have that sequence of notes, that run of notes, lead into something other than the one of a minor, of a minor oh, yeah. key. Um, it maybe it leads into uh, something. Maybe it leads into like the three the three chord or something another thing that i think i've done before is if you're doing like a six major seven like let's say an a flat major seven you'll still start on the c and go up to the seven go up to the g over that major seven chord i've done that before and that's sure. a, that's a kind of a fun technique too and a minor chord it goes da 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 and then that chord that it lands on is da 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 mm-hmm. um so it actually goes to sort of a major chord where the goal note is no longer the yeah. fifth now it's sort of the third yeah so it's cool i mean i want to play at least one example where it doesn't start in the beginning of a song but it starts at a, at a separate section but it's still the beginning of that section you know right well and it's really interesting because we mentioned a little bit before that uh, this uh ascending minor scale thing happens all over in music and it happens a lot in classical music but it also happens a lot in pop music i mean there was that song that was popular a few years ago that maroon five song moves like jagger that's true. Da, da, yep. da, da. I mean, you know, it happens all over in music. It's nothing that one person do, can do, really do, copyright. Do, 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 do. Um, yeah, yeah. No, well, that's a good example. I will say that you hear it probably more in video game music than maybe any, any other medium, which sure. is maybe the reason we want to do this episode. Now, this one is kind of cheating a little bit. This is by far the hardest, the most subtle use of this. Rhythmically, it's completely broken. It's not doing the the eighth note or the straight sixteenth notes that we've heard so far. Um, but now that you guys are are listening out for it we hope you'll still catch it this is battle two from chrono trigger composed by yasunori mitsuda here we go In case you guys didn't catch it, that is Battle 2 from Chrono Trigger, composed so by Yasunori Mitsuda. I'll just point out the notes that it was. Da, 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 da. So it goes... Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. But the actual... Those five <laughs> notes are in there. Da, da, sure. da, da, da. And this one does something very interesting. If we're looking at um, the context you know, of today of having a lot of them pickups or just quick eighth notes or sixteenth notes, um, we can sort of think of this using a concept called uh, rhythmic augmentation, which is where you have a melody that you know happens a lot in you know fugues or old baroque music where you'd sort of have mm-hmm. um, a hymn melody or you know the fugue subject that's uh, after you know it's done being played in its normal way it's played just as maybe whole notes are really kind of delayed so you don't even hear it but it just becomes sort of the basis of the chord you know here we're yeah. having that melody very very slow in the context of the other pieces we've played and it's all using these dotted quarter notes so instead of happening dun instead of happening Dun 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 dun. Now it's happening. Dun 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 dun. So it's really syncopated and super it's so groovy. So syncopated and groovy. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you know what's cool is that this track, a lot of good 
boss and battle music feature um, kind of uh, out there meters, not 4-4, four, four, not 2-4, four, not 3-4. 5-4 four. Four and 7-4 are what you hear a lot. And this one features 7. There's that I don't know. There's some really kind of interesting uses of other meters that obviously then you go back to 4 for the A section, you know, because you wanted well, to still... The reason you know, we wanted to include this example was not really to showcase like, oh, see how this melody comes all the time. But this is just sort of an example to show you know we really don't have that many notes to work with when we're composing because i think the reason what i was illustrating before with the passing tones and the consonant pitches is that it's not random why all this stuff works you know when we're playing a chord there's only certain notes of a melody we can accentuate that sound good so there's a a limit to what composers can do especially when you know a lot of these tonalities have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years a lot of the same stuff is sort of going to come up again and again. But it's, you know, composers like Yasunori Mitsuda finding new and interesting ways of doing it. Sure. Well, we we played a track from the SNES, and we're going to leave the day with another track from the SNES. The last track we'll talk about, this is Rudra no Hiho, I guess guess Super Famicom technically here, composed by the wonderful Ryuji Sasai. Uh, Wonderful soundtrack here. This is a track called Whistle Down the Wind. Let's take a listen. Just one thing I wanted to say about this is that it features the really quirky fusion of instruments you get in 16-bit video game music. You have orchestral instruments with the lead and the strings, but you have electric bass. Only in video games do you have that combination. Really fun, really great use of the five-finger fanfare. Guys, I don't know about you, Will, but I had a wonderful time. This very musical topic, I think we really so much know, fun. kind of uncovered, uncovered something pretty interesting. I don't know if anyone's ever talked about this before. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's been studies of scalar melodies, but I think a lot of times in the classical realm, people tend to be dismissive of the specifics of a melody. They're just like, oh yeah, it's yeah. a scalar. That happens all the time. And not really focusing on how it works sort of emotionally. And, and I think it's really interesting because it shows up all the time in video games and not just kind of as a throwaway thing. You know, like in here, it's not really a focal point of the melody, you know, in sure. a track it's just how it like starts. the that Riviera La Serima Castle or whatever. It's not really a mm-hmm. focus point, but so many of the pieces we play today, you know, that's really the hook. That minor well, scale, you know, the melody without it is nothing. What I will say is that I think the biggest surprise maybe to me and hopefully some of you is that we've listened to 18 pieces of music that all feature that same technique and I'm not sick of it. I could still listen to 18 more. It still works. It's always going to work. And there's still countless hundreds. I think that it speaks to the undeniability of those notes. Yeah, I think so too. There are hundreds of other examples, thousands of other examples uh, that feature this technique. So I don't know. I think that's one nice reminder is that even if you're talking about one repeated technique in music, you can always do new things with it. And I'm, I don't know, I think that's awesome. Totally, man. And I mean, I really enjoyed today 
just getting to purely focus on um, music, really focus mm-hmm. on the specifics, this note to this note of a melody, because I think that's things that we focus on in just sort of our day to day lives as composers, you know, working on a melody. Oftentimes it's one note up, one note down. Does this sound good? Does yeah. that sound good? The really the tiny, tiny details are what make the thing great or not great. And so it's fun to get to look at video game music that way. You know, a lot of times there's so much for us to think about the production, the sound, a composer's style, the overall melody, the chord progressions, mm-hmm. you know, it's context in the game. But so it's fun to kind of um, break apart. I hope to do more episodes like this in the future. And if you guys enjoyed this, yeah. um, let us know, you know, if there's tracks that we missed, you know, if there's other classic pieces sure. of video game music that use this. Who knows? Maybe we'll do another episode of this or maybe we'll find some other technique and do something else like this in the future. Yeah, well, we want to give a plug here. Megfest is coming up. And I don't know if any of you guys heard, but we are really excited to be doing a panel this year at MAGFest. It's on the history of video game music, and we're going to be talking about all the way from the origins, you know, the Atari 2600 era, all the way to the modern age, and kind of what has changed, what hasn't changed, uh, how has it evolved, and we can't wait for that panel. If anyone's going to be at MAGFest, uh, let us know. We'd love to meet up and hang out with you guys. It's going to be really fun. We've been to MAGFest before, just, you know, as fans, but now it's going to be fun to, to have a little bit of a different perspective. So the dates of MAGFest are the February 18th through the 21st. Yeah, and it's in D.C. at the fabulous Gaylord National Hotel. We're really excited to go back just to be at MAGFest again and yeah. um, to continue doing this panel. We had such a great time doing it um, uh, at Gamers Rhapsody. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be super fun. Hopefully we see you all there. We're actually going to play out um, with I, – I alluded to this before, but we're going to play out with um, a piece that Carl wrote. This is Arctic Wasteland from Sonic-esque Volume 4. Uh, This is actually, and I'm not just kissing ass here, Uh, this might be one of my favorite uses of this ascending minor scale in all the tracks that we've play today i think it's it's really good i i love this track this is my favorite just a funny little anecdote i love this melody uh when you when you first because you shared me pieces Mm -hmm. as you were working on this you know bit by bit shared song by song this was definitely my favorite and when you were doing that kind of uh sonic-esque reimagined remix album or whatever you're doing things with um more contemporary sounding instruments um I remember encouraging you, like, for Arctic Wasteland, you you should just, like, start it off just with piano and sort of a ballad to accentuate yeah. how beautiful it's a great the melody idea. is. So I think it's, you know, it's fitting that we fade this episode out with Arctic Wasteland from Sonic-esque Volume 4, which is a piece by Carl, which just kind of shows you that, you know, hey, we're human too. <laughs> we use all the same stuff. And, not, and to really sort of emphasize the point that this was meant to be a celebration of music. This is what makes melodies yes. great, that we can have... Have these things that on the surface you'd think are so similar but can go off into completely different directions and it's sort magical. of the wonderful thing about the different musical minds that we have so thanks so much for joining us the first episode of season nine this is so exciting we had a great time guys we hope you stick with us and join us next week my name is carl brueggemann and i'm his brother will brueggemann have a great week everybody peace out peace <laughs> out